Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Podcast Today for April 29th, 2016. I am joined today by the lovely Keith Harris to talk about not Captain America versus Superman or Iron Man versus Captain America or any of those things. It's the, the biggest duel of our times. Hulk Hogan versus Gawker. Keith, how are things? Uh, things are good here. Nice to be on your show. Thank you for coming on. You are our official fourth guest. And uh, I think following some uh, great guests. You're a second Brit as well. Yeah. Uh, well, we're 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 almost well. We're neighbours in in countries at least. We we have been we have been buddies for a good hundred years now. You know, once once we kind of separated as countries and sorted our stuff out, it's like we're pals now. Yeah, that's that's how I like it. <laughs> so so Keith, as a, an internationally acclaimed journalist, I, I have one very important question for you. What's that? How big do you think Hulk Hogan's penis really is? I I don't really want to think about that, really. <laughs> uh, it's actually fascinating because he openly admits that there is a split between Hulk Hogan and Terry Bollea. Well, I think that was the tack they had to uh, take in the case. So because they didn't want the jurors to think that Hulk Hogan was dishonest you know, the, the person behind the persona. So they were finally so, thinking Hulk Hogan was dishonest, but not Terry. Yeah. Terry's lovely. Terry would never lie to you. Well, Gorka would dispute that. They would, and they do. Yeah. Because it's interesting. If you, like, listen to media interviews of Hulk Hogan for years and years, he's well known for making an awful lot of things up. And uh, Definitely. And if, if, it's, if what he said is true, technically, he knows full well he's making everything up. He's, he's, there's just, he's two different people. He's a split, split identity disorder. Well, I think to some extent that's part of his charm, you know, like making up stories about Andre the Giant being 700 pounds and, or, you know, breaking the muscles in his back, slamming him and, <laughs> at WrestleMania. I, I, I think, you know, obviously they're lies, but it, it sort of adds, in some ways it adds to his charm if you don't, yeah, you know, if you don't take it all too seriously. I think my favorite one was when he was like, Andre didn't want to cooperate on the body slam and he had to do it himself. Yeah, yeah, there was that. And it even came up in the uh, I'm sure the trial itself, you know, about, you know, Hulk Hogan not knowing whether Andre the Giant was going to do the job or not, you know, whether he'd be willing to do that, I think. There was something about Hogan versus Andre in the trial which raised a few eyebrows because it, it didn't seem quite um, 100% truthful. I always love when the legal world has to sort through what part of pro wrestling is bullshit and what part of pro wrestling is real. Yeah, well, I, I think I think I think uh, a lot of them probably see Hogan as a bit of a phony if they. It depends which uh, side of the argument they're on, really. It depends how, how offended about uh, which aspect of the case you are, really. Because the case is is fascinating. Because like there's yep. the, the FBI is involved. There's heists. There's sex. There's everything. If they don't make a film out of this entire case, I I don't know what kind of cases they can make films out of. And and it's also a complete mess because you have, you know, uh, Terry Terry Belair saying one thing to the FBI and one thing to Gorka, the same with Bubba Clem, the same with Heather Cole, the same with uh, Hogan's lawyer, David Houston. So it's a complete mess. And a lot 
all of the stuff about the FBI sting wasn't admissible in the trial. So, you know, uh, that which was a big victory for Hogan, at least at the stage of the trial. Because if people haven't been keeping up with this, Hogan shot a sex tape with Bubba the Love Sponge's wife in, I think it's 2006, wasn't it? Well, shot uh, probably isn't the right word. It he, was, he, he, he was, was legally recorded by Bubba and Hesla Cole. Yep. And there are three tapes, which Bubba had in a safe, and then they were stolen from Bubba, weren't they? Yes, I think it was one of his disgruntled ex-employees stole them, I think is the story. But we've never quite got to the bottom of how the the DVDs got stolen and how they quite got into Gorka's hands, but we've got a pretty good idea of what happened. Why did Bubba keep them? Unless he still, he, he had in the back of his mind, I need to have leverage over the Hulkster. Well, he did say in one of the tapes, the one with the racial remarks, that basically uh, this could make us a lot of money. So, it, yeah, um, I, I think maybe also got off on, you know, having this type of material. I don't know. It's a very <laughs> yeah. strange thing to do. <laughs> he popped it in late at night, two in the morning, you know. <laughs> well, I'm sure he probably showed it to other people and joked about it. It's like, uh, yeah, it's his parody piece. It's like, do you want to see a Hulk Hogan sex tape? Yay! <laughs> well, obviously, obviously it wasn't keeping that hidden secret because, you know, his ex-employee knew, knew he had the DVDs presumably to steal them. That is very true. So when when he stole them, he tried to extort money out of Hulk Hogan out of them. There's different he the person who stole them used a friend of his, I think, a female friend, to to be the person and they got a lawyer involved called Keith Davidson, who sort of negotiated with uh, Hogan and Hogan's lawyer. This is why it gets all very messy, because one of the weird things is that the the extortionists claim that they weren't the people to leak the material to uh, Gorka from one of the DVDs. And that's a bit strange because that doesn't quite add up. And maybe they're just get it. Yeah. So maybe they're just covering for themselves there. But it's it's all quite weird that. We're, we're still not quite concrete 100% on how everything went down. And then we had the FBI getting involved. Yes. Does the uh, FBI normally get involved in cases like this? Well, it was an, an attempted extortion. So I think perhaps being a celebrity probably helped a lot. You know? Yeah. But I, I, I would imagine it's not too, too uncommon. I know that so this is something that Irv Muchnick mentioned to me. So there's this guy, uh, Dennis Hastert, who who claimed he was extorted um, by someone. Though so I don't know. Yeah, that's a bit something a bit different. So yeah, but ba- basically it's about sexual abuse, and he sexually abused someone, but initially said that he was being extorted out of money by this person when he wasn't, when they'd come to some sort of arrangement to keep quiet. And the FBI, I think, were involved with that. So this was a similar sorts of cases that the FBI gets involved with. It's interesting. None of the FBI stuff was admissible, was it? No. Which, why not? 
Well, they Hogan uh, Hogan's side were very lucky in the sense that they had a judge that was very favourable towards them. Seemed to be favourable across the board, didn't she? Yes. So she, I think she is known to be quite, you know, highly uh, conservative judge. So I think they got got someone who sort of definitely thought that what Gorka did overstepped the the mark as the role of the press. And there was also, uh, as David Bixen put it, my friend who, who writes for the figure four newsletter, uh, he, he said there was a dog whistling at the start of the trial because she went on to a lecture about standards of journalism today online weren't as weren't as good as what they used to be or something like that. So so there's stuff like that which and and another another thing like that was Emma Carmichael, one of the Gorka Gorka executives. So because she was very young, she was asked by one of the jurors and the judge asked her this, whether she had ever slept with Nick Denton, the the owner of Gorka, or AJ Dalerio, who was the head editor of uh, Gorka at the time the Hogan Post happened. What did she say? <laughs> well, one of the hilarious things is that Nick Denton is openly gay, so that would rule out one of them, and she just said no. And I, I think that's a misunderstanding of how online media works, really. Yeah, not everyone sleeps with each other. <laughs> well, often, you know, like, for example, I, I, I work for Cage Side Seats part-time, uh, so I write for them. I'm in a completely different country to the people uh, running the site. Uh, and, and also, I think it's more likely that you can get to more senior positions in online journalism faster than you would do in, say, the traditional print media. Especially with more and more startups. AJ Delirio really seemed to shoot Gawker in the foot, though, didn't he? Uh, yes. That seemed to be like the, the point that everyone points to when he said that, uh, flippantly said that a four-year-old would be his limit for what would be newsworthy regarding a sexual case. Yeah, uh, I think, though, these were depositions that happened, uh, I think it was a couple of years, I think, before the case went to trial. So I think Gorka were quite confident at that point that it would get thrown out before it got to trial. I think, you know, or they were trying their hardest to make sure it didn't get to trial. And so I think that might explain partly why the flippancy. Also, I think Dalirio wasn't someone who handled, who handled questioning by lawyers very well. He was really grilled and got rattled. And Hulk Hogan made, was it, how much did he make? 140? Well, that's how much he's been awarded. Yeah, before. Uh, <laughs> well, it's all going to be appealed. My my personal feeling is that the appeals court is going to be a lot more sympathetic to Gorka's side, and it's possible that he could end up even with nothing. The, the big the big case by Gawker, which I think they released yesterday, their statement. Basically, they said that Hogan lied about it. Had lied about the FBI involvement, lied about the reason he wanted to sue them. And as a result, he, he's, his deceitfulness means that the, the uh, verdict should be overturned, which I can see their logic. But in theory, does that actually affect what Gawker did? I, I think that isn't their 
best argument, but obviously you're going to throw everything you have, you know, to try and get the um, get the ruling overturned. It doesn't help Hogan's side, though. It doesn't make them sympathetic. But you know, um, you know, I think one of the arguments I think which this is related to is the economic damage argument. So Hogan was awarded, I think, sixty million dollars in economic damages or something about about that range. Yeah, Fifty-five uh, in economic and sixty in emotional. Okay, I was close there. The argument that Gorka. Uh, said that he was much more financially and emotionally damaged by the later publication of the racist statements they made on the tapes, which they didn't publish. And that... Because, yeah, he never lost his job after that. No, no. He never lost his job after the initial Gawker release, but he did after the release of his very, very racist rants. Yeah, so... They they were saying like his emotional distress was because he didn't want this these racist remarks coming out, and that so that's why it's ridiculous. Partly why it's ridiculous to award him sixty million dollars in emotional damages. But he could still argue this still violated his privacy. Well, I think one one of the the key things is it should be noted that that the video itself. So Gorka tried to get an injunction in federal court. They were turned down by the uh, Judge James Whitmore. Then it went to state court. So it went to the judge presiding over the Hogan trial, Pamela Campbell, and she gave Gorka an injunction on the video and the post itself. And then it went to appeal. Uh, So I think... What Gorka did was, I think, they kept up the post, but not the video. And then it went to appeal, and the injunction on the video and the piece itself was thrown out. So there's no, there's nothing stopping uh, Gorka from actually, I think, republishing that video, because it's already been deemed newsworthy by the appeals court, which is, I think, the main reason why, when this goes to appeal... Hogan is unlikely to win because it's or the video itself was already ruled newsworthy by the appeals court and the federal court, but they they didn't want to get involved further at, before the trial. Because Gawker claimed they only made eleven thousand, I think, off of the tape. Well, I think one thing they did. So one thing they said, which seems reasonable, is that there was they didn't get any ad revenue from the post itself because because it contained pornographic material uh, in the video for seven seconds so it's not safe for work so there's no advertising on such posts that's so the only, google standards or something does it yeah well i think it is probably advertisers wouldn't want to be associated with it understandably yeah so but it draws viewers it draws readers to the site, so they may click on another um, article which has advertising on it, and that's where they generate revenue from it. Mm. So that's probably how they came up with that figure, is that people who went to the site, did they go to another article and click on it? And that's how they generated revenue from the Hogan article. So your gut is you think it'll be overturned? Yes, or... 
drastically slashed the awards. I think nearly definitely it'll be reduced. Yeah. I don't think there's a hope he's making $115 million. Well, yeah, well, uh, plus the punitive damages, $140 million. Yep. So. so probably one of the closest similar cases was the Nancy Benoit. So Hustler magazine posted nude pics from 19, I think, in the early 80s after she died. And the the family of uh, Nancy, the late Nancy Benoit sued Hustler. I think they were awarded a jury damage, jury damages, well over ten million dollars. I think it was it wasn't close to as big as Hulk Hogan's, but it's a very big award against Hustler. And I think at the at, in the appeals process, it was whittled down to sort of three hundred thousand dollars or something in that range, because there was limitations on certain things the jury could award. What they so, reduced it by ninety seven percent. Yeah, they, it, it was. Yeah, it was. It was drastically reduced. It went from tens of millions of dollars to hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, if and this is what Gorka are trying to argue is like whatever emotional distress he suffered, it was only what's called garden variety emotional distress. So that that means that he didn't. He didn't, I think the key there, he didn't go to a doctor and he had depression or something over it. Like he was affected by it, so he couldn't sleep and things like that. But he, he didn't have, let's say, long-term problems with depression over the publication. So, they, you know, and they say that such damages are capped at a certain amount. If, he, if he's, it's reduced by 97%, he'll still make like 4 million bucks. That's not bad. <laughs> well, not if he has to pay his lawyers. That's true. Then he'll probably come out owing people money. Yeah. Well, there, there, there was a rumor by Dan Abrams, so um, a legal journalist, I think, for ABC. So he heard the rumor that someone's paying Hogan's legal fees for him. So an enemy of Gorker is paying, paying, paying for Hogan's. Ooh, an extra so, layer of scandal. Yeah, it's uh, it's not being corroborated, but it would it would seem to make make sense why Hogan would go all the way with this, because there was also rumours that Gorka were willing to settle for obviously an amount not close to one hundred and forty million dollars, but it'd probably been a few million dollars, say, and Hogan Hogan turned that down, so. Clearly, thinks he, he his emotional. We're underestimating his emotional distress, Keith. It's clearly very much gotten to him. Well, I think I think for him, I think for him, obviously, the vindication of winning at trial was very important, mm. especially because the racist remarks did come out. I think it did help. It has helped his public image a bit. You know, he got on all those talk shows after the trial where. Generally, he was received better than Gorka was. So, so, so there was some value there, but also the racial remarks might never have come out if he hadn't pushed Gorka so far in Who the litigation. Who originally published the racial remarks? So, so it was the National Enquirer and uh, I think RadarOnline.com that were the two two uh, websites that published sort of transcripts 
pretty accurate transcripts of uh, the rate of what was on the sex tapes, the most salacious excerpts of sex tapes that Gorka didn't didn't uh, do the same from. So you'd think if if Hogan does come out at least winning, who knows how much he'll win, but if he does win, you'd think he could pursue them as well, couldn't you? I think that would be more difficult because I think they didn't air... They didn't show any of the videotape footage. They just said, this is what was on the tapes. Mm. And that is very, that, that would be much more difficult to prosecute over. And, and also, it, at that point, it becomes much harder to say it wasn't newsworthy. That is very true. Well. Even inherently, like, cultural icon is a horrible racist, I think is more newsworthy inherently than cultural icon shot a sex tape. Well, uh, had sex with someone and it's taped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah inadvertently uh, shot a sex tape. Yes. Well, I think this is one of the things that Gorka argued a bit was this is how all celebrities leak their sex tapes. You know, for example, China and Sean Waltman. Uh, China, I think, initially said she didn't want a sex tape coming out. And it turns out, you know, that it was leaked illegally or whatever. And it turned out that she had actually negotiated a lot of money with the um, video company that distributed it to be paid for the porn, her first porn video. So, so one of the things Gorka argued was, well, lots of celebrities say that. So we, 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 how did we know that Hogan uh, was saying the truth, telling us the truth when he said that he didn't know he was being recorded and he didn't want it coming out. It's very easy to plead ignorance, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, definitely. It's, oh, it's fascinating. Hulk Hogan, who knew Hulk Hogan and sex would be so fascinating instead of horrifying? Well, it's uh, more basically all the uh, domino effects, isn't it? You know? <laughs> it's not just the sex itself but it's like the scandal and like the undercover Hogan. fbi sting and the yeah. and hogan hogan and his lawyer actually going to see uh keith davidson and being part of this thing and uh looking at the uh videotapes and then then in the uh gorka litigation saying that we never we didn't so it started off, we don't know that there's another tape out there, to we never seen the tapes, to we we only saw bits of the tapes, and Gorka actually has got, like, a transcript of what was said in the, the sting operation. And so basically it tells them actually discussing what's, what's on the tape. And, you know, they clearly heard the uh, racial the part with the racial bits in and I think David Houston Hogan's lawyer saying and Hogan discussing how bad that was and being shocked about it so yeah there's lots of layers of intrigue because there's no none of the parties come off looking that good just sleaze all round yeah yeah before we go Keith do you have anything to plug well if people want to learn more about the Hulk Hogan Gore case, I'd recommend doing a search on cagesideseats.com for Gorka, and my articles should pop up. Or if you're a figure four newsletter subscriber, uh, look for uh, David Bixon's fans pieces uh, in that newsletter. 
he's he's definitely the expert on this case and people can find you on twitter uh yes uh glasgow kjh yeah follow keith he's lovely most of the time <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining me keith no no problem and to podcast land thank you for listening and bye bye